your dogs are your babies. So when something's not right with them and you know that something's not right, it's terrible. But I never ever thought, oh, it must be her eyes because, well, they look normal. She still seemed to figure her way around everywhere. And she was playing fetch at the park as well. So it was very, very odd. Anyway, the third visit to the vet, they took her in and did a little sort of walk around test, put a couple of little objects in her way, and she bumped into everything. So they came to the conclusion that she was blind, which was absolutely terrifying. I couldn't believe it when the, when they told me. Um, it, it was just horrible. Welcome to the Tales of Success podcast, a show about Labradors and achieving training success. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Tales of Success podcast with me, Vicky Sharp. It's great to have you back with us again. I've got a guest for you this week who's going to talk to us about dogs that are blind and dogs that have sight issues. Even if you don't have a blind dog, you should definitely give this one a listen as sight issues can develop at any time. Eve Welton is my guest today and she's the proud owner of two blind dogs, but she's also a dog trainer, not just any dog trainer. She specializes in training blind dogs and helps owners of blind or sight impaired dogs to release their dog's full potential. I always like to start these chats with the most important ones, and that is always the dogs. So Eve, obviously a massive warm welcome to you, but just start off by telling us about your two dogs. Tell us a little bit about their ages, their names, a little bit about their history and how long they've been with you. Yeah, sure. Thank you. That was a lovely intro, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so um, my first dog, Poppy, I got from a puppy and she's seven now. She's a Pomeranian and she went blind when she was five years old. And she is the reason that I do all of this, really. Um, the, the story behind what happened, basically, was she sort of kept staring into space and like, I wouldn't necessarily even say she was bumping into things, but she was she wasn't with it. And I thought it was actually something to do with her brain. Um, she'd had little seizures when she was younger and I just panicked and thought it was something in the brain. And yeah, I was mortified. So I took her to the vets and the vets. Um, this was at the beginning of COVID as well, so I couldn't even go into the vets. And they sort of said, right, well, um, yeah, just just keep an eye on her and try and get some videos. So I was like, OK, so I went away and tried to get some videos, showing them then to the vet a couple of weeks later through the car window screen with, when it was chucking it down with rain and they were getting soaked. Um, they sort of took her in again and came back out and said, oh, you know, see how it goes again. There's nothing obvious that we can see. So I went away again. And it's so horrible, isn't it, when you've your dogs are your babies. So when something's not right with them and you know that something's not right, it's terrible. But I never ever thought, oh, it must be her eyes because, well, they look normal. She still seemed to figure her way around everywhere. And she was playing fetch at the park as well. So it was very, very odd. Anyway, the third visit to the vet. They took her in and did a little sort of walk around test, put a couple of little objects in her way and she bumped into everything. So they came to the conclusion that she was blind, which was absolutely terrifying. I couldn't believe it when the, when they told me. Um, it, it was just horrible. 
and I just thought oh my gosh what are we going to do like we used to do agility we used to like go to the peak district every weekend and like all of this has just disappeared now how how are we going to manage so it was awful to find out and I basically was very upset for a couple of days I spent a lot of time crying and actually noticed that Poppy was super super depressed as well because she wouldn't play she she would eat she would definitely eat but she wasn't her usual self she was she wouldn't follow me around she'd just sort of sit on the sofa just looking really really mortified and it just made me very sad and then I thought you know I'm not the one that's actually going through this she is and I need to be there for her so I started trying to do some things to encourage her um, to be a little bit more positive again and, and get her up and walking around and running. And we started off with some training again. And it took a little while and the walks that we went on, we had to sort of make sure that we were sticking to the same ones to start with. I didn't want to take her anywhere different. Um, but we, we slowly got there and yeah I mean now over two years on she's absolutely brilliant you wouldn't even know she's blind so I've, I've seen videos of you with Poppy and she looks crazy in the nicest possible way I mean when I say crazy <laughs> yeah. she's loving life right that's what I mean so oh yeah um, you said she was depressed and it must have been really difficult for you realizing that your dog had gone blind yeah. The crikey for Poppy, it must have been life-changing. Do you know what caused that blindness to, to take effect? What what was it? Yeah, so um we didn't actually know to start with. We I, after a lot of Googling, I basically sort of came to the conclusion that it could be something called SARDS, which is sudden acquired retinal degeneration syndrome, which basically the retina just decides to right, I've had enough. It, I think it's it's sort of like an autoimmune disease in dogs, and her retinas just just sort of disappeared overnight, basically. Um, or, or stop functioning overnight, I should say. Um, or it could have been something else called PRA, which is progressive retinal atrophy, which again, it's, it's to do with the retina, but it's a, a slower, longer process where the blindness happens over a longer period. So it's not as noticeable. And did you, did you have any warning that it was coming? No, no, nothing at all. And there was nothing that I could think of that had happened to set it off it, it was just so random all of a sudden and yeah it was it was really scary but I because of COVID they were only taking on emergency cases at the eye clinic so I couldn't get her in to see a specialist because it wasn't considered an emergency but a year later I did take her and I still wasn't allowed in with them or anything which was fine but they came out and they said to me, so it's either going to be SARDS or PRA. And I thought, right, well, I know you shouldn't, but I sort of, I'd already diagnosed that on Google. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was like, right. They basically said that they couldn't tell which one it was because it had been a year and the retina had disappeared now. They could have picked up SARDS if they'd have tested it sort of earlier because she would have been blind, but her retina would still be able to be seen. Whereas now, because it had degenerated over this time, they weren't able to tell which one it was. But she did say I could do a DNA test and they do sort of like health checks where they test for certain genes of stuff. Now, SARDS 
isn't something that you're able to sort of test for gene-wise, but PRA, progressive retinal, retinal atrophy, is something that can be picked up in genes and in DNA. So I did this health check and she didn't have that gene um, for PRA. So it's, it, 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 yeah, we came to the conclusion that it was SARDS then, um, which fits in quite a lot with other little things. She is very hungry all the time. We have to sort of restrict her from, um, <laughs> restrict her from eating when my, um, basically she wouldn't ever eat anything that we left on the side she was just very good she sort of like knew the difference between our food and her food and one night we were putting my stepson to bed and my partner had left a bowl of some sort of crisp I think cheesy puffs or something on the on the bedside table and then we came back into the bedroom and he accused me of eating all his crisps and I was like it wasn't me and then Poppy was sort of just like lying on the bed sprawled out just doing massive trumps everywhere so looking quite yeah. guilty I imagine as well thinking like I've done really well I polished off all the food bless her yay look at me but yeah um and then she she drools quite a lot as well when um she's like excited and after a lot of sort of research that's another symptom of, of the sod side of things as well so so yeah there's nothing that we can do to fix it or to change it but also it's not going to have an impact on her health in the long term of life either and it's not going to affect her quality of life any more than already being blind so I imagine though when when the vet gave you that diagnosis you probably had all sorts of emotions running through your head you know is this is this it for Poppy is does she have hope is there a future yeah, did you ever it's... think that she would live the life that she's currently living or did you think she would really struggle to adapt to going blind? Because it, it would be really tough. You know, for us as humans, it would be incredibly tough. Um, yeah, you, it would have got other ways to to kind of do things as well. But it's tough for a little puppy, right? Yeah, absolutely. I was I was just in shock. And yeah, when I looked to the future at that point, I just thought, how are we going to manage? What What am I going to do? I've got a disabled dog now and I can't do anything with it. That's literally what I thought at the time. Like yeah. that's, that's it. We, we can't, we can't do anything now. And, and what, what help was there out there for you? You know, where did you go for help and support? Was there a support network? Was your vet knowledgeable about the situation? So when I, when the vet first told me that she was blind, the vet actually said to me to Google it. So I was like, all right, okay. So there was nothing that she said, like head to this website or check out this person or anything. It was just, you know, Google's got a lot of information. So I was like, oh, okay, thanks. Um, And then the only other thing that I found was a little Facebook group, which had a few people in that that were supportive. And it it was nice because they're all sort of on the same page, but there was nobody really there to give advice or, yeah, that that specialised in anything like that that could help me. Um, So, yeah, I did feel feel a bit lost and like I needed help. Something that really (laughs) amazes me is you were put in this difficult situation and you didn't want to give up on Poppy. So you went out and you found out everything there was to know about these issues and more importantly, how you could help her live probably the best life. And 
then you did something else. Tell us a little bit about the other four-legged creature that came into your life. <laughs> yes, so after I had, um, well, not to blame my own trumpet, but quite a good job with Poppy, and she was so confident now, I thought it'd be nice to help another dog. So I checked out this charity that are called the Blind Dog Rescue UK, and they specialise in rehoming blind dogs, and you, there's actually a filter on there that you can tick to find a blind dog so they they do help other blind dogs and uh, sorry other sighted dogs as well um and they rehome blind cats as well and I just thought you know why why would why would I not get a blind dog now I really want to help one out so I found this lovely looking border collie who was advertised as and I kept sending my partner the link to his profile for days like every day for weeks and nobody was like adopting him and I said you know like anyway I eventually managed to uh twist his arm and uh yeah he caved and we we have another dog called Jake who he's actually not a border collie at all he has I've DNA checked him as well and he's actually come back as a Chaplan in Atz crossed with an Eastern European village dog so Eve, I suspect he was called a border collie because no one's ever heard of those two breeds of dogs I guess that's kind of um an Eastern European breed presumably it is yeah they are still a herding breed actually and because he does actually look like a border collie he's just a very very large border collie I sort of wonder genetically if maybe he's like an ancestor of the border collie in some sort of weird way but but yeah he came with sort of challenges of his own as well um he's quite dog reactive and he doesn't like being touched by strangers which is fair enough because neither do I um and but he's he's honestly he's he's so lovely and it's taken us quite a while to get to where we are today um but I love a challenge and you know I would not change him for the world he comes up every morning after his breakfast and jumps on the bed and um yeah just I wouldn't change him for anything and he's so like they say so they think that Jake was blind from birth so it's hard to say because he was rescued from a kill shelter in Bosnia um so we're not 100% sure of his history but he is assumed to be blind from birth so that presents sort of different issues compared to a dog that has gone blind as well so yeah but you've kind of experienced the whole spectrum of sight issues blindness from birth and, and later on in life and you know, some might say you're a glutton for punishment there, but actually I think that's really, um, really good. You've you've gone out of your way to choose to help a an underdog. Um, yeah. And that's exactly, you know, what what is the nice thing here? So when you were looking for Jake, he came from a Romanian kill shelter, did you say? It was from Bosnia, Bosnian oh, kill shelter. From a Bosnian yeah. kill shelter and he was blind. So that poor dog had probably had a very, very stressful time with people that didn't necessarily understand his complex issues and needs before he then came into this wonderful home environment in the UK with the best person, you know, someone that understands all these issues. So he's probably living a fabulous <laughs> life now. Do, do him and Poppy get on okay? Yeah, they do. I mean, they're not like snuggle buddies or anything, but yeah, they, they get on really well and they'll walk together and 
Poppy will sort of, because Jake's so big, Poppy can walk under his legs as well. So it's kind of cute and she doesn't realise and neither does he because they can't see. But yeah, they they do get on really well together. Yeah. Brilliant. So um, for people that are listening to this podcast rather than watching a video, I'm going to explain what I see on my screen right now. But that is someone that is constantly smiling when she talks about her dogs. Um, So I can see that there's a lot of love for these dogs, um, which is great to see. Could you imagine life without dogs? I mean, at some point you won't have Poppy and Jake, but, you know, a dog's life now. Absolutely not. No, like. I will I will always have dogs they they are I'm I'm that crazy dog lady that's like my boyfriend I love him to bits but he's like you know the dogs come first and yeah I'm sorry but if if we had to sort of like deport the country for any reason I'd be that crazy person staying behind making sure that the dogs are okay and and rallying the animals together so yeah there's no way that I could not live without them and yeah, I, I'm I'm dreading the day that I, I have to say goodbye to them as well. But mm. I know that there's lots of animals out there that do need help and a loving home. And yeah, and hopefully in the future, I can offer my home to more lovely dogs as well. Yeah. So in about 10 years time, you'll have 50 uh, blind dogs around your house, probably. Oh, yeah. Something um, like that. Yeah. So <laughs> this, this past experience that you've had with Poppy and, and then Jake as well. Is that what spurred you to create your business? And for people that don't yet know you, you have a very successful business training blind dogs and educating people how to care for their blind dogs. Uh, Are Poppy and Jake the catalyst for this happening? Yeah, definitely. I'd definitely say more more so Poppy um, because of the, the really tough time that we both had and, you know, the time was much, much harder for her, but emotionally I felt so alone and, and terrible that I just wanted to help other people that were going through that situation. Um, so that's why I, I started the underdogs training and started giving out some information on how to help your blind dog around the house or the garden and various other little bits. Whereas when Jake's come along, he being reactive has presented different challenges we've had to work on, which has then again opened my eyes up to sort of different ways of thinking and approaching different situations as well. So, yeah, both of them are the reason that I do it, but I just really want everyone else to have some confident blind dogs that absolutely love life. And who needs eyes, eh, when you've got such a wonderful nose? Yeah, (laughs) it shouldn't hold them back. And with the right help and support, you can show people how to very much get the best out of them. So the students that you help, do you help all sorts of dogs with all sorts of sight issues? Is it just dogs that are blind from birth? Or do you help dogs that maybe are even a little bit older and have got sight issues due to old age yeah so dogs from puppy to to the end of their life really um dogs can be blind for many different reasons so they could be blind from birth so we have to deal with puppies and the thing with puppies that are blind from birth is they don't know any different so they will be bombing around the back garden bumping into everything and causing mayhem so that presents a different challenge to say a dog that's lost its sight maybe to cataracts in old age and is a little bit slower and a bit more worried and cautious and maybe can't walk as much and finding different ways to stimulate them 
that dogs can also lose their sight due to illness. Um, there's rescue dogs that obviously we don't know the background of. Some of them might be accidents that have happened and sadly sometimes they are deliberate and there's some not very nice people out there that, that have done some horrible things to dogs and do you know it just it just really makes me want to help those dogs and people even more because some if for a person to do something so horrible for a to a dog and for that dog to still want to be around people and trust someone else to look after them it's just amazing but I think the way that we approach all those situations is completely different because the backgrounds are different they're scared of different things or they're overly confident around things that maybe they need to go a bit steadier on so there's so many different approaches depending on the reason why and I guess, um, you know, it's very similar to the training that we do is that we always say we don't do generic training because we don't have generic dogs. They all learn in different ways. Their humans learn in different ways. We want different things from them. So everything has to be tailored to the dog and the situation and the environment. So Absolutely. from what you've alluded to, you, you do very much change your approach. Would you say it's... Um, it's easier to help a dog that has been blind from birth or a, easier to help a dog that has lost their sight in later life? I think both present different challenges. I would say I prefer helping dogs that have lost sight later in life because I love to see that the, the little sort of steps that they take again to building that confidence up and it's just so happy to see them when, when you like first meet them and they're quite timid to then later on when they've started doing things that the owners never would have dreamed that they were doing, that they would be able to do in the future. And I love to watch that progression. Um, so I would say that I prefer that side because with a dog that's been blind from birth or that maybe is a little bit excited, it's about trying to maybe calm them down a little bit. And it's it's not as, as fun to sort of work with compared to um, trying to like boost the confidence and doing extra training and, and, and that side of things. So yeah, both are very, very different, but I definitely prefer working with dogs that have lost sight during their lifetime. Yeah, and I, I think in all dog training, it's very important that we don't just focus on the dog because... For most of what I do, I train humans to make yes. sure that they can train their dogs and get the best out of their dog. Um, but when you're training humans and dogs, I guess there's more emotion behind it because some people are coming to terms with the fact that their dog's life has changed and their life has changed a little bit as well. Do you notice yeah. that in the owners that we get a different response for, let's say, an 11-year-old dog that's just gone blind and their life has changed compared yeah. to someone that's bought a puppy knowing that they're blind and wanting to help them I guess there's a different tack that you take with those owners as well yeah there's a huge contrast and working with owners that have lost uh, sorry owners whose dogs have lost their sight due to whatever stage in life or whatever illness there might be there is always that emotion behind it which and it, it, it is sad, but it's about helping them as well to overcome that and sort of explaining the reasons that that might have a negative effect on the dog as well. And it might actually 
prevent the dog from progressing it's so for example maybe on a walk outside they can see another dog and think oh my gosh like how are we going to approach this dog and they tense up on the lead and try and panic to to move them into a spot where the dog can walk past or or you know it might be that I don't know there's a bush ahead and they don't want like the dog to walk into it and to hurt itself and there's there's various different things but people can be maybe sometimes a little bit too overprotective with their dogs as well once they've gone blind and I completely see the reason behind why they want to be like that because they want to protect them but then at the same time we have to give the dogs that little bit of freedom to be able to to go and explore and to build that confidence up really slowly so that they're then able to approach the wild world again in a happy way without feeling like oh no mum and dad are really stressed and oh maybe we should go back home I don't like it out here so yes you know we want to really care for the dogs but giving them that independence and confidence to almost suss it out for themselves is quite important Um, and puppies are very good at being energetic and sussing everything out for themselves so can a new newly born puppy that doesn't have sight can they live a happy fulfilled healthy life and can someone that's toying with the idea of taking on a blind puppy be confident that they can look after that dog and you know everything's going to be okay in the future yeah absolutely a hundred percent just because the dog is blind does not mean that it's going to affect the quality of life that it will have going forward and especially from a puppy because they know no different the way that you train things might be ever slightly different um you might want to use touch a little bit more in your training you might want to be a little bit clearer with like the words and and do more training based on your verbal commands um sorry verbal cues just to to help going forward but honestly once if if you were to adopt a blind puppy you would have one hell of a time it'll give you as much of a challenge as a dog with sight and actually you'll be so surprised at how they can adapt and the the way that they figure things out and and learn to live without their sight there's definitely things that you can do um to keep their brains stimulated in other ways as well so yeah I think we you know everyone when they look for a puppy wants a perfect puppy people are very specific about the breed the color you know it can be everything and then if we stumble across a dog that's got a health issue whether it's sight hearing you know limbs anything like that we tend to shy away from that because we we're looking for perfection yeah but that puppy will be perfect in their own special little way and as you've alluded to they know no different they're ready to take on the world using all of their other senses and be full of energy and give the same amount of love and affection right absolutely and you know what maybe even give you a little bit more love and affection because you're you're that person that's their eyes at the end of the day and that guides them and while all puppies love their owners a blind puppy is going to be like you know this person makes sure that I know where I'm going and I'm going to go and sit with them at night and cuddle up to them on the sofa so so yeah there are 
you know, there's, there's positives to having blind dogs as well. Definitely. Sounds wonderful. Um, so that's kind of the, the puppy question ticked off and other people will experience sight loss in their dogs as they're a little bit older. So you mentioned about Poppy was a little bit older when she lost her sight and that was for SARDs, but actually dogs just get old eyes like humans get old eyes and we can't see things as well. So if we've got any owners that have got an older dog and they've just been diagnosed with a sight condition of some sort in adult life, what would your key bit of advice be to them? So I would always start with retraining your dog. So what I mean by that is simple cues such as sit. Um, what you might not notice when you're asking your dog for a sit is that a lot of people actually do a little lean over their dog. And it might be subconscious to you, but your dog picks up on that. And it's not actually just the verbal cue that you're giving that helps the dog to sit. It's actually the lean over that goes, oh, I know what that means. And I'll put my bum on the floor. I, so, I totally agree with that, because when we teach our puppies at our puppy school, we intentionally use lots of visual cues because puppies are really visual. You know, yeah. they, they hear stuff, but they respond much better to what they see. Yeah. So what we teach is so, so different from what you teach. And that's why it's important that you go to the, the specialist in your type of dog. I mean, because we wouldn't even consider that for a sighted puppy. It's all about the visual and the, the stuff that they hear as well. Yeah, exactly. And you can incorporate touch into that as well. Um, I know that there are a lot of dogs out there that are not only blind, but are deaf as well. And they also live awesomely amazing lives and a lot of their training is done on touch so if you are having issues or if your dog is getting a little bit old and maybe their eyesight isn't as quite as good as it used to be definitely start retraining with some of the verbal cues again um, and it can be that you one of the top things that I like to suggest is using different textures in the house so if you've already got tiles in the kitchen and carpet in the living room and the dog can feel that when it goes from room to room, then that's really good. And actually, there's not anything you need to do there because you're already halfway there. But if you've got the same texture throughout the whole of the bottom floors, for example, it might be a good idea to start maybe looking at some rugs. So by the back door, so they can feel, oh, this is where I need to go and stand to ask to go out to the toilet. And and also on the outside so they know where to come to come back inside um putting rugs um around say a coffee table so the dog can actually feel oh there's that different texture and i know that there's a big wooden thing there that i might walk into so i'm going to slow down around this bit and you know it, it will take a few times and i would suggest walking them around on the lead in the house just to get them used to stuff but Honestly, there are so many things, Vicky, that I could just sort of like throw your way. Um, and, and, you know, these are things that can be done if your dog has suddenly got a sight condition. Let's say they've literally gone blind overnight. But these are also things that we can consider, even if you've not got any sight. That's the wrong word. Even if you've not got any warning that there's any sight issues coming, you know, I've got two elderly Labradors. Their sight is OK but there is potential for their site to go in the future. So we could actually start considering doing these things as standard anyway, just in case, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, who's 
a nice new rug in the house there you go there's your excuse if you've been looking for one and your partner's like no we definitely don't need any more rugs in the house well you heard you heard it here folks you can all go shopping at the weekend and that's advice of Eve Welton so uh just tell your other half that it's dog training advice um Eve do you have any little courses or anything that people could attend if they have either got a dog with sight conditions or they're worried about it developing Yes. So I run a course that's called Help My Dog Has Gone Blind and I cover a lot of stuff in there. It's it's almost like a little hour and a half workshop where I'll spend an hour covering some of the basics, giving you lots and lots of information and different ways to keep your dog stimulated and engaged and help to boost their confidence while also keeping them safe but then I also do a Q&A after so if there are any specifics that you're struggling with then we can talk that through after and actually you might help someone else out by asking a question because someone else might go oh actually I've never even thought of that but that's really helpful so yeah I also do some one-to-one stuff as well via zoom so anywhere around the world I can help you but if you are looking for support, I would definitely recommend coming along to my course um, just to find out some more information because, yeah, there's there's so much that I give away there that will really, really help you. Brilliant. Sounds good. Um, as when we have a blind dog, we've we've lost one of the senses, that that sense of sight. Is it really important then to start developing those other senses to help the dog adjust? And you've mentioned about the feeling of touch, you know, underneath the paws. What else can we do as far as using those senses to help them? So the other, so obviously, yeah, touch is is huge. And I've sort of mentioned like the different textures already. But another one that is super, super important, not only to uh, blind dogs, but also to sighted dogs, is their use of scent scent not sense scent (laughs) so their nose is so important because they can actually take in so much information and it's almost like reading a newspaper when they're outside sniffing around that they can pick up all that information without even needing their eyes and if we channel everything through our dog's nose as well it not only burns off like their energy quite quickly it also releases nice happy hormones in their brain And I like to think of it that even though our dogs can't see anymore, they're still able to visualise things in their head when they're able to go around and sniff or have a puzzle or figure something out or do some scent training. And it's just a way to get them stimulated, keep them enriched. And also it really helps to boost that confidence as well. It's really good for dogs that are reactive. Elderly dogs can do it. So if they're blind, if they, they can still do scent work, no matter whether they're a puppy or old or if they've got any other sort of injuries, they're always using their nose. So I would definitely say that that is one to focus on to tapping into. But aside from that as well, there's also the hearing and sound. So I would also say this is something that you need to maybe have a little think about if your dog has gone blind, because sounds can seem quite different once you're not able to see those sounds. And an example that I give of this is imagine your dog sighted walking down the road. Now there might be a really, really loud car engine or motorbike that goes past, but because your dog can see that, oh right, that's on the road, that's not gonna hurt me, that's okay. Whereas actually that very same dog 
a year later might have gone blind walking down that very same street hears the very very same noise and is terrified because it just hears this loud noise getting louder and louder and louder and louder and quicker and oh my goodness that sounds like it's going so fast but I can't see where it is is it going to hit us and they can just go into an absolute meltdown panic so it's something else that you really sort of want to maybe slowly build up to things like that um and just just have a little think about other loud sounds and, and sudden sounds as well um because they can all all affect our dogs and just nipping back to the touch sense as well um with the touch side of things because again they can't see they can be quite jumpy so touching them somewhere you might just sort of bend down and just give them a nice little stroke that actually might make them go whoa what was that and, and really sort of jump out their skin um and even though like after they like all oh, right okay it's just mum it's okay but at the time that can be quite scary so it might be that if your dog is quite touch sensitive as well and jumpy that maybe you slowly go for a tickling under the chin to start with so that they can sort of feel that hand sort of and smell it coming towards you giving you a little touch okay and then you can go around and give them a nice good little scratch behind the ears but it's just how we think about other ways of approaching things it's not just the sight it's the other senses that are affected by that sight loss as well so yeah and I guess it's all these tiny little nuggets of information which seem like a tiny bit of useful information that once you've got a load of those tiny bits of useful information, you can make your dog's life much more comfortable. Is this the type of stuff that you cover at your course? You know, all these little nuggets of gold. Yes, yes, there is <laughs> loads of stuff like that. Good. Um, so you've got two blind dogs as pets and you train blind dogs. So you're a little bit biased here. I get that. You know, you think they're the best thing in the world and they sound pretty good. Would you say that a blind dog can live a normal life as a pet a normal and happy life as a pet yes 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 absolutely <laughs> yeah no doubt about it um it might be a little bit different for a while it might take them a little bit longer to adapt it might not they might be absolutely fine um but absolutely there are so many people that i see whose dogs are blind and they're like absolutely conked out on the sofa, legs up at night. And in the day, they're running around the fields and playing tug and having an amazing time. And yeah, it's it's so, so nice to see, but they can absolutely have the best life. Yeah, living at home as a pet. And if someone is looking at rehoming a dog, whether blind or not, why should they consider a blind dog, you know? If they're walking down that row of kennels and they see 20 dogs, why should they maybe head to that blind dog first just to check them out and see if they're compatible? You'd be quite surprised at how rewarding it can be to help a disabled dog. And you would also be quite surprised at how, I wouldn't say how little, but how, well, I would actually, how little actually extra that you need to do or how 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 little different you need to do things as well as long as you've got that love and that support to give and you know how to get the best out of your blind dog then they can absolutely do all this amazing stuff still um you can take them on different walks you can still take them to the pub they play fetch believe it or not 
Um, I mean, <laughs> my Pomeranian, she loves fetch, but she doesn't always find the ball, which is fine. And then I'll help her. But she, I will instead, here's a tip for you, if you've got a blind dog, instead of throwing the ball and hearing the bounce, if you kick it along some grass, they can actually hear it rolling. So she'll chase it that way and find it. Um, yes, yeah, so there's so many different things. Hide and seek you could do. And I've seen um, a blind dog do an agility course before and he was very, very slow, but that's okay. You know, he still did hey, it. You know what? So. It's the taking part that counts and that's brilliant. <laughs> you know, there's no reason why they can't live a normal, happy life. Um, you got Jake from a rescue centre and you said that there was an option to specify that you'd consider a blind dog. So I think it's, it's yeah. worthwhile if you would recommend that to people, just give them a little shout out so people can maybe visit them if, if they're looking for helping a blind dog. Yeah, absolutely. So their charity is the Blind Dog Rescue UK, I think. Um, but yeah, honestly, just search for Blind Dog Rescue. It'll pop up on Google. And there are so many absolutely lovely dogs on there that have been rehomed. And it's just so nice to see. Like, I, I check it out quite regularly. And when they disappear off the website, there's a bit of me like, yes, inside, <laughs> because I'm like, oh, they've been rehomed. So, and I think, you know, it's such a nice thing to do. What, I, um, the, the woman that created it, I can't remember her name now, I think it might be Katie, but she um, is a veterinary nurse. And yeah, she started this because she believes that blind dogs can also have amazing lives. And I really admire that because to start a charity or focusing on rehoming dogs without sight is incredible so yeah definitely head over and have a little like look around on their website because <laughs> basically yeah, just be go surprised. and adopt a dog give them the best yeah life ever. definitely yeah so we know that blind dogs are pretty cool to have as pets we know where to go and help one um and we also now know that there is someone out there that can help you train them and live a perfectly happy life so Eve, give us a little um shout out as to where people can find you so where can people look at your information where what are your socials just tell us everything we need to know about getting in touch with you <laughs> okay so the main place that i hang out is instagram and there i am the underdogs trainer so come and find me there I'll share little stories of my dogs but I also do post useful helpful tips on there as well and um, I've got a YouTube channel where I'm called the blind dog trainer so I, again on there there's actually videos where I'm sort of doing bits and bobs with my dogs or sharing the the journeys that we've been on um I do little blogs when I take them on holiday so you can see for yourselves how happy they are and the things you get up to I've got a Facebook group that is Training for Blind Dogs, where I will also share lots of information. And I have my website as well, where everything is there. You can find out more about my training course. You can um, book in one-to-one. -one. You can read more about me. I've got some blogs on there. And that is theunderdogstraining.com. Brilliant. And I've got one final question for you. Um, what's the best bit about having dogs in your life <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that question do you know okay I do the best thing about having dogs is you know no matter how lonely you might feel at some stages in your life you can never feel lonely when you've got those lovely little dogs to look after that absolutely give all their love to you as well so 
so yeah I, I feel so loved and privileged to be able to look after them Excellent. Eve, thank you so much for taking the time to share your insights into living with and training for blind dogs. Um, keep doing what you're doing and supporting those underdogs. If you have found Eve's story useful, make sure you check out our socials. And I'd also really appreciate it if you could leave a review in the podcast store so you can tell us whether you're enjoying this content. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us. We hope that has been useful to you. But from me, all I want to finish off by saying is be caring, be consistent and be your Labrador's best teacher. I'll catch you on the next episode.